Here at the Planning Podcast, we believe that half of financial literacy is about knowledge. Now that other half, now that's about lifestyle. It's the way you live. It's the way you move. So together we are going to demystify this good old world of finance and wealth building through our intentional guests and dialogue. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned, and of course, stay planning. I think now we are in the paint. How you doing today, my brother? I'm good, King. I mean, I'm I'm loving the intro. Like, how do I get that? Hook me up, man. <laughs> like, hook me up. Say no more. I'll get my people with your people. We can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Um, one thing I want to quickly do, I, I want to make sure our guest um, understands the, the depth of, of insight and knowledge we're about to walk into. And so for our audience, uh, could just bear with me for a minute. I would love to share some of the highlights of, of Mr. Ross. So Investopedia has named Tyrone Ross as one of the top 100 financial advisors across the country. He was recognized by Investment News by as one of the top 40 under 40 in 2019. And then, of course, WealthManagement.com named him as one of the top 10 advisors to set change in the industry. If that is not enough, FinancialPlanning.com named him as one of the main folks that will change wealth management in 2020. Uh, and if you were just twiddling your thumbs through the Wall Street Journal not too long ago, you were able to see my brother uh, listed in there. And, and as I am very grateful to call him a friend and a brother, um, but also a leading specialist across the globe when it pertains to cryptocurrency, that's Bitcoin as well. And that's with a capital B and a lowercase B. And we could probably get into that in a whole another conversation. Um, but more than anything, I, I wanted to say thank you for your time. Um, and I shared all those accolades, but when you think about Taiwan Ross and when the audience thinks about Taiwan Ross, um, what would you want them to know about you in this conversation? That I am the product of superhero parents, that I am a proud uh, first-generation high school graduate, and that I am an overcomer. And all I do now in my life is live for my legacy and not for, for my resume. So those are those are probably the things that matter most to me right now. I've completely dedicated my life to the people who are voiceless, the dispossessed, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the abandoned, the abused and neglected. I spend every waking second of my life making sure that those people have a voice. And everything that you mentioned there is just a platform for me to advocate on behalf of those people. Right. Well, I appreciate that, brother. I in in the sake of time, I initially um laid out the hold how we met, but I don't know if I can hold that. Um, mm. Real quickly, um, uh, as you guys know, I've been in the financial industry going on nine years now, so I'm, I'm swinging the fence for a decade. Um, but being a black man in the industry has been a very difficult journey just due to the lack of examples across the country and really across the globe. With that being said, there was a, a day in which I was you know, doing my normal YouTubing, um, looking at different ways to expand my my knowledge, you know, I call it YouTube University. Um, and I came across one of the leaders in the investment realm, um, downtown Josh Brown. And, you know, if you uh, watch CNBC or if you just have your ears to any investment news, he is definitely one of the leaders across the globe. And there was an interview there with the CEO of LPL mm -hmm. uh, and this brother, Tyrone Ross Jr. <laughs> I'm looking on the stage and I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. There must be an athlete up there. And why he's up there rocking some J's 
in a mm. tee. <laughs> and when I heard him speak, when I heard him represent himself and just it obliterated everything in which one could perceive a black financial advisor would look like. And I loved it because that's 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 it, it was raw. It was real. And it was authentic. And so within that, I reached out via email. You know, I, I shot my shot and he got right back to me, you know, and, 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 it was, and it's been an authentic uh, relationship since then. And so I just wanted to say salute to you, brother, just for um, being tangible, right? Um, being accessible, um, but also leading in so many other aspects in which we'll be able to t- touch on in our time today. So I appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. I, I want to return the favor really quickly and let everybody know that there are, again, that, that whole, you know, talk to talk, walk to walk. I'll be honest, I don't think there's anybody that walks it more than you from classrooms to prisons to in the community. Um, the way you advocate is inspiring for such a young brother. Um, when when I was your age, I had a little bit different interests. I was I was in the streets to chase women. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you you represent everything that. I, I fight for for my mentees and I try to be an example of them, of, of a family man, of a businessman, of a, of a brother, of a supporter um, and just a true advocate for the people. So salute to you. I'm your biggest fan. I, I stay rooting for you. We don't we don't get to chat as much, you know, as as I would like to. But this this is why this is so special. But, you know, man, I'm rooting for you. And and I I, I, I wait for the day we could break bread in person. That's going to be special. Most definitely. Most definitely. I appreciate yeah. that, brother. That, that'll yeah. be Sooner than later, for sure. For sure. Um, Now, one of the things, of course, that aligned our relationship is being in the financial industry. And Mm -hmm. when you think about the financial industry and you think about the way wealth is developed, has been developed over the course of centuries and years and years and years and transferred and preserved and developed some more and transferred and preserved. Mm -hmm. Our current knowledge and, and scope of the stock market is typically one in which it's very... Uh, welcoming, right? The Tesla, mm-hmm. the Amazons, the different uh, ways in which you can participate in investing in different companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when we think about historically, not only where the stock market lives today, but also the original form of the stock market and, and some of the activities that led to this wealth uh, building tool that is accessible across the globe. Uh, from your vantage point, what would you say um, is the timeline of the involvement of the stock market and, of course, the role it plays in our wealth building activity today. Absolutely. So I, I, I want everybody on here to know, especially those that are black people, that the first commodities ever sold on Wall Street were slaves. So Wall Street was built by slaves. The actual Wall Street, the street that was built, was dug up by slaves. They brought them here, brought them right to New York City. And then that swamp and muck and dangerous, you know, area had them dig all of that up. And then their reward for building Wall Street was they turned around and sold them. And the government certified New York State as a certified go down there and get them the best in class slaves there are. And it wasn't until coffee came that coffee became a bigger commodity than black people. And that's when it changed in New York City. So we were the first commodities sold on Wall Street. We built Wall Street, which is why I have an issue with the black Wall Street thing. Black Wall Street always been black. 
You don't need another black Wall Street. It's been black. The blood, the sweat, the tears, the intellectual capacity is there, is ours anyway. So Wall Street been black, but they'll never tell you that. So when you move forward over time now and you look at what has happened to us in terms of not being able to gather the education, not being able to get homes, not being not not being fi- financially educated on any of these things, being shut out, redlining. We can do this for the rest of the podcast. Wealth generation started with wealth destruction. Everything we possibly could have had. Growing up, you're important, man. <laughs> You're important. This you you can't you can't edit this out. The people just need to know that's how important you are, man. <laughs> you like you like Diddy, man. You need fourteen phones. I don't. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, brother. And that that is is um, that is an element that I feel like you know, as you mentioned, we as black people, but also just we as people, you know, and. Mm-hmm. and too many times you hear black history, but it's, it's American history, right? It, it's, it's all of our history, right? And, and um, there are times in which we only highlight the, uh, the feel-good stories of the development and the involvement of, of this great country, um, but not necessarily give um, acknowledgement to the work and the, and the equity and the sweat that's been put in uh, uh, that we're all able to uh, benefit from. And so... A very, very critical component. Now, when, when we think, when we think about macro stock market, right, mm-hmm. and the ability to participate in it, and also the way in which it has been conveyed to our audience, right, and, and when I say our audience, that's everyone. So anyone mm-hmm. that has any type of um, intentionality to better off themselves when it pertains to green, that's the color that we're talking about. Ultimately, there's just certain. Mm-hmm. Activities that have happened historically that we got to tie it back into. Mm-hmm. Now, when we think about the accessibility and the appetite of the stock market, not only for the common man, but for those that have affluence, there's typically some exposure that happens prior to, usually your household or someone which you're close to. Mm-hmm. Now that we have evolved into, we'll just say a posture as a country to where a majority of one's wealth is, um, um, now having to be done themselves, right, with some of the decisions that they make, yeah. the information that they uh, surround themselves around. Do you feel like there is a gap with our educational system on preparing um, residents of all kind to be able to not only engage in this market that happens, that generates so much more, so much wealth, but also give it, get an understanding of it? Absolutely. You know, I do. I'm exemplary of that problem. I was 26 years old before I knew what the stock market was. That was that was destructive to my family and our ability to accumulate any type of financial stability um, and, and, you know, not even generational wealth, but financial independence. So if I'm exemplary of it, which is why I fight so hard for this, well, let's, let's just look at the numbers, right? A little less than half of the country don't own stock. 70% of black communities don't have a bank branch. Bank branches are key economic pillars in the in the sense that people that use them are normally people that have awareness of the things that banks do. Right? As I always say, there's only four things you can ever do with money. Make it, grow it, protect it, transfer it. 
So one of the things in there is the stock market. And if we aren't exposed in our homes, which a lot of us aren't, and that's independent of color, by the way. But if we aren't exposed in the home, children can start picking up financial concepts at three. Your financial habits, most of them are set by seven. So if you wait until your senior year of high school and then you're playing that stupid stock picking game that they still do, that's not teaching me anything about (laughs) building wealth, about understanding the stock market, about understanding money and finance and currency and all these things. So I think one of the things that you're doing, I'm doing, we realize that we have to go younger. Right now we are planting seeds in bad soil. The soil is barren. We have to get into the soil. We have to get into schools, high school, middle school, elementary schools. We have to get into homes. That means thus empowering the parents. Because I've learned, and I'm sure you've seen as well, you get the kids, you get the parents. Because right. if the kids play soccer, guess where the parents going to be every weekend? At soccer games. So if the kids are interested in this because they got exposure to it at school or exposure to it in their after-school program, or even exposed to it in the youth detention centers, because we can't forget about those kids either, or anywhere. Now they go to the parents and say, well, this guy came and spoke to us about the stock market. So the parents are like, oh boy, here we go. Right now the parents got to learn too. So I feel like there's this disconnect between the haves and the have-nots in terms of awareness of the stock market, what the stock market can do, what it's a signal of. The stock market means a lot more than stocks to people who are aware and have affluence. Here's how I prove that point. Now, in here, when you buy an iPhone, there's one thing on your iPhone that's already pre-installed. You want to know what that one thing is? The stock app. Don't got to download it. Signal both ways. One, Apple knows that we know that the majority of people are buying this phone. That's really important to them. So we should already have that on there. The people buying that phone that can truly afford that phone and live the lifestyle that comes along with that phone are going to use that app to track the stock market because it's a signal to them of everything that involves their life and they don't ever want to miss out. So we have to think bigger here when we look at the stock market, not in terms of price. You miss it. Don't 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 step over dollars to pick up pennies. It's not about the price. It's about what it signals to everything in their life. And what it means, what's hot, what's not, what, you know, how this account is doing, what this is doing. Oh, this is signal to do this. And a lot of us are just walking around. Under, I, I literally walked right by the New York Stock Exchange and didn't know what it was. I had no clue. So think about that. That's crazy. So some of us aren't even, a, forget the stock market, but just what the stock market represents, which is, right, my mentor, when he first told me, he said, there's the stock market, and then there's a market of stocks, right? And it goes, it's a play on words, but you really start to break down your understanding when you look at it that way. Mm. That's powerful. That, that's, that's extremely powerful. I, and, I, and to your point, one of the um, indicators for me um, in the difference in how the pandemic has impacted the economy, but also how it impacted the stock market, right? And so if you mm. look at the uh, li- livelihood of individuals, folks lost their jobs, folks, you know, been, their hours have been reduced. Now they're having to adjust to making sure they have strong enough internet so their child can at least keep up yep. when it pertains to the school. And so there's been so many things that have uh, provided a shock, right, to what it takes for an ecosystem to be able to survive and thrive. 
But if you've been paying attention to the stock market, you would feel like there has never even been a pandemic. You know, like you you would it, it, it seems as if none of this even manifested. And so, as you mentioned, uh, as you you know, there's a stock market and there's the market of stocks and, and, mm-hmm. and it's awareness and understanding, um, but also proximity that we all have to um, uh, make a decision uh, to get closer to and stay close to considering yep. the role it plays. Um, now there's a, you know, a, a few different ways in which we could unpack how one could utilize the stock market for their, for them and their family, but we're not going to touch into that. I, I wanted to at least tie into the, uh, the role the stock market has played historically, um, mm-hmm. off of the way in which we are all distant from the market and the way in which it works, unless you have someone in your backyard that's been able to explain it to you. Because one of the biggest things that we've seen, Tyrone, and I know you see it all the time, is that part of what we do when helping clients is is helping them avoid the shame of not knowing, right? right? Like not letting that have more authority than their ability to act on the actions that it takes to be able to change their situation. And so once we really demystify the um, if you have money, that means you know how to utilize it or um, the only folks that need financial guidance or those that have money. Once you demystify all of that, you really see that we're actually all on the same playing field. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate you um, bring, bringing that perspective. Now, when we look at technology, mm-hmm. technology has touched us in so many different aspects. And I'm going to speak specifically to the financial services. And I can send somebody $35 on Cash App right now. I can PayPal, you know, an individual. I can start my business and receive payments uh, digitally through PayPal and all these different platforms. And and technology, of course, has um, wrapped its arms around the way in which we could uh, establish currencies, right? Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. and I would say most folks are saying, okay, I've been hearing about this Bitcoin for a couple of years. Usually when it spikes, you know, it's in the news and that's when I want to get it. Or I've been hearing about this Bitcoin for a number of years. Uh, no, I'm going to keep using my dollars. It ain't tied to gold. And, it, you know, so th- there, there is a balance of uh, hesitancy, rightfully so, right? Like there's a hesitancy, hesitancy due to the uh, new nature of this type of currency or perceived new. Um, and then as well, just the lack of understanding. Yeah. You've been a leader in this space when it pertains to cryptocurrency, um, getting a better understanding of cryptocurrency, getting a better understanding of the blockchain technology, getting a better understanding of the use case of Bitcoin. If you could think of, if you could share with our audience, macro 30,000 foot overview, this is why you should be thinking about Bitcoin. What would you share with them? I like how you frame that is how people should be thinking about Bitcoin. Because most people should be thinking about Bitcoin and actually playing around with it and putting money in it. Let me start by saying this, especially where you are in the, in the Deep South. In the Deep South, some things are clear. Large population of unbanked, large population of lack of financial literacy, a large population of uh, school systems that struggle to teach the basics of financial education and things like that. We can go on and on. On the Northeast, kind of the same thing. In the Bronx, New York, you have the poorest congressional district in the country. Half of the people there are unbanked. That's step one. 
Step two, that's so I want people to think about the unbanked when they think about Bitcoin, not the price. Second thing to think about, it is impossible now, today's day and time, to be a social justice warrior or to talk about income inequality or to have and have nots in this country and not bring up Bitcoin. If you do not, I have a hard time taking you seriously because that means you have not put all of the opportunities to alleviate it on the table. Don't care how you think about it, but the gap between the haves and the have-nots in this country is so great, we got to put everything on the table. It's the second thing. Third thing is, when you look at 25% of the black community that is unbanked, when you look at 10% of Americans that are unbanked, again, as you mentioned what I said before, 70% of black communities don't have a bank branch. If you look at the reasons why the unbanked are unbanked, number one reason, they don't trust banks. Don't trust banks. I don't see a bank in my neighborhood. Hmm. Second reason they don't trust banks, too expensive. So wait a second. If Bitcoin can help me send money now and it's cheap, sounds like, and I don't need to walk into a bank branch. I don't need to go into an ATM. I can send money overseas. You, like myself, have a Caribbean background. The remittance market is a $600 billion market. Mm. I can send money to my uncle in Guyana. He can go online with Bitcoin, turn that Bitcoin into Guyanese dollars. Don't have to leave the house. All he needs is this and an internet connection. Stay there. So think about it. So if we're just thinking about Bitcoin and saying, okay, well, here's something especially in the Caribbean community and those that know what a susu is. You've heard me say this before. It's almost like a digital susu. We not go into the bank. We don't trust the bank. There's this community of people who put money in and everyone can transfer money to one another. There's a schedule and everyone gets their hand. Like these are things that our community is familiar with. And Bitcoin is just a digital version of that. It's just digital money. So if you're using Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Zelle, same thing, just digital. So, again, we're just thinking about it here. So now let's stay there. Now let's focus on the fact that we don't have a real-time payment system here in the U.S. If I cash my check today and I want to deposit that check, my rent is due today. My money's not going to clear for three to six days. On Saturday, I'm evicted if I'm late. The government refuses to address that. They said they will in 2023. If I send you Bitcoin right now on Cash App, you'll get it by the time uh, I, I utter the word I sent it. It's there for you. That for people who are in time, I've lived it, I've experienced it. When money doesn't become immediately available, people suffer because of that. That right away, if our government was to institute a real-time payment system right now, that helps millions of people who are working poor. We're still thinking about it. Check cash in places. Payday loans. The post office. I tell people all the time, you want to see the post office in real time, real life, go to any inner city community, the post office on the weekend, you know why? Because they go there because the bank allows people to get money orders. It's cheap, so on and so forth. My mother still goes to the post office to get money orders. I bring those three things up to say 
One thing that the bank will never do, that the bank has not done for our community, is exactly the word I just ended on, community. They don't trust banks. So the post office has a sense of community. The woman in the check cashing place knows I work four jobs. I feed four kids. She knows that I need my money now. I can't wait. Right. They know my struggles. They know I got to walk down the street. Did one half is blood. One half is Latin King. One half is Crip. One half is, you know, uh, MS-13. They know I can't walk through here. I got children. Bitcoin will allow me to do all of that in my home, not having to leave the house, not needing a third party. You talk about social justice. And I haven't even gotten into the fact of what it means for people to be able to save a savings mechanism, something that they can think about in terms of, okay, if I just dollar cost average and the value of my dollars are going down, if I'm understanding what the government is doing to print all of this money, a savings mechanism if I'm consistent in doing that, the value of my money will retain value over time. Now we're thinking about it right. Not speculative, not chasing what everybody's saying on whatever, like truly a mechanism for the underbanked, the unbanked, the working poor to start to establish some type of understanding of what's happening here. And then the ability to help us all pull ourselves out of and into a new digital era because the, ju- the, the, the issue that you and I have is that we not only have to pull people into a banking system, we also have to bridge the digital divide and get them into a new digital system of banking that they're like, wait a second, what? And this is what I tell people. I've, I, like you, have gone into some of the poorest areas in the country to teach people about this stuff. And you realize that you can teach them about Bitcoin and all this other stuff. We just got to teach people how to use an app. Some people don't even know how to use an app. And you talking about Bitcoin and stocks. and Oh, you could just do it on the phone. Well, it ain't that easy for some people. My parents don't use an app. My parents been together 40 something years. They just got their first joint bank account together. Think about that. They raised a family without a bank account. So we are we have the responsibility, again, to get people to think here of the digital divide that exists. Bitcoin closes that. So, again, as you said, if we're just thinking about it, everything that I mentioned should give everyone reason to say, let me let me read. Let me learn the investment. It may not even be an investment for you, but what it could be is a savior. It may not be all the other things that it is the other people. But what it could be for you is an opportunity to say, okay, well, man, I've been going to Western Union sending this money to, but if I just go on local Bitcoins or or I learn what Paxful is that I can send money overseas and it'll, it's $35 to send a wire. (laughs) I could go on and on, but you get my point of of, of why I'm just like, for for, for our communities and minority communities that that have been, just sucked dry by banks and their fees, 35 billion of overdraft fees. Imagine if they took those same fees and poured them into our communities. Forget all your, your black fist, black lives matter post. And I'll take that same money you've been taking out of my, our community and put it in our community. By the way, SNAP benefits. And people who have these EBT cards, you want to know who who's the Ponzi 
You want to know who the scammer is, who has the, the, the monopoly on those cards? J.P. Morgan. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. It's J.P. Morgan. They run those cards. Stop, stop all that stuff y'all talking about. Put into those people. Give them free accounts. Make that free. Update them so they're not walking into the store and, and swipe it for $20 worth of stuff and they really got $4. Let them know. Give these people the services and the basic financial education that they need. Then talk to me about everything else. The financial services industry spends $17 billion, with a capital B, billion on marketing financial services. Billion, $17 billion. Less than 1% on education. That's awful. And I wish somebody would lie to me and tell me that it's not on purpose. It is. So long-winded answer, because you know I get fired up about this stuff. <laughs> but I, I, it, the fight, the fight, the everyday struggle for me is to break down these barriers to one, to get people to understand that are forgotten, that are voiceless, that this is an opportunity. And for the people that do have to say, y'all have to stop looking to where you've been looking to help and stop throwing little trinkets and little, little crumbs over the fence thinking these people should fend for themselves. Don't only give me $1,200 for me to, to get by. Give me a blueprint, an infrastructure, a repeatable process so that I can turn this 1200 to 24, my 24 to 48, and then I can continue to build some type of financial independence for my family. I'm not trying to be rich. Everybody's not trying to have a, a boat and a, and, a, and, a, and a house in the south of France. People just want their needs met, man. So Bitcoin gives all of this to the people, but unfortunately is marketed in a way that it's, again, something else for, for rich folks and those that have. And that's a lie. That's strong, brother. That is strong. And as you know, I, I, I can really just sit here and listen um, because there's, there's so many components of what we are seeing today that has the residue of some of the historical activities that caused it. Um, to your point, some of the distrust with the banks. So someone could be listening and saying, how does, how do they not trust the banks? Like I've been going to the bank. I got an account. Like it seems smooth. Sometimes if I don't have enough money, I get charged a fee, but it's been good for me. I can get some loans. But if you don't take into consideration uh, immediately after uh, the Emancipation of Proclamation in 1865, uh, good old Abe Lincoln uh, established the Freedmen's Bank. And, and if you go to the White House today, um, right down the street, there is Bank of America. Uh, where Bank of America stands is actually where the Freedmen's Bank originally was erected. Uh, Abraham Lincoln felt that this was so important, he wanted to make sure that he could lay his eyes on it. Again, Freedmen's Bank, and if we slow it down, Freed Man's Bank. Over a seven to nine year process, uh, since black folks were free, you know, you could be a part of the free enterprise system. So now you're making a little bit of money. You can save some money, put some deposits into the bank. Over that time period, there was over 70,000 deposits. Unfortunately, that bank, due to some greedy folks uh, using the money for their own interests, uh, mm -hmm. the bank deteriorated. They called the good brother Frederick Douglass to come save it. Um, a lot of folks see Frederick Douglass as the abolitionist. Fred was paid, man. Fred had some, some dollars to him. He had some land, a lot of it. And he was able to come and cut a check for $10,000, which is roughly $1 to $2 million today. 
and then of course still could not save the bank. And so think about putting your money into a bank over a seven, nine year period. And then one day they say, hey, the bank is closed. There's no FDIC insurance. There's no, hey, we're able to save X amount. So when you hear someone's grandma say they don't trust the bank, that's not coming from the air. When you hear someone say that they tried to get a loan and, and there was some activities that didn't align with their situation quantitatively, like they have the quantitative numbers to be able to get whatever they need and there's been some ill will activity, that's not coming from the air. And so to your point, the distance of the bank, even when there is no proximate bank to be able to go into and put a debit card into, with no location there, no relationship, it is a um, a very interesting option to yep. your point when it comes to addressing the um, uh, the, the wealth gap um, and the inequality within the black community. And so we definitely appreciate you using that as a, not as a, uh, or acknowledging Bitcoin, not only as an investment, but as a, as a, as a tool, as a utility to be yeah. able to address these, these gaps that we all see on a day-to-day basis. Um, but your proximity of it is going to always be based off of uh, your interests and, and willingness to get close real, real quick. Let's say that there's a few folks that say, okay, all right, Bitcoin. And before we get, we don't have to get into the lowercase B or, or, or uppercase B. Uh, I believe the uppercase B represents the blockchain technology and Bitcoin represents. Okay. All right. So I've been, I've been checking it out. All right. All right. We'll be studying up. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, just like many uh, of those that are listening, I'm looking to learn, right? Like at some point, at some point, at some point, you sent someone cash up and say, hey, what's this? Bitcoin. At some point, you were talking to a friend, you went on yahoo.com and said, PayPal, Bitcoin. At some point, you have to say to yourself, if everyone else is implementing this Bitcoin, there's something about this that's probably going to continue to exist. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at least the bare minimum since my child, I got two kids under two years old. He can turn, man, this man can unlock my phone. He ain't even two years old yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Technology is something that's right there for them. Mm-hmm. So why not currency be that same proximity? So I need to be able to at least teach him, which then feeds back into the need and the necessity of having some type of financial comfort yep. with the literacy around finances. And so um, so make sure you get proximate. All right. So for those that are saying, all right, cool. I could probably put like $20 in, $50 in, $100 in. I want to put money in. What would you say would be the first thing they do prior to that activity from a research, uh, from an understanding or just information perspective? I I will say this. I think you want in in, in a situation like this, right? Let's just say it is Cash App. Before you actually go in there and start messing with it, Cash App actually has a a video and some tutorials on, right? My first Bitcoin, right? They call it in. They walk you through the education. So I would definitely read up first. I would listen to podcasts. I would go to YouTube. There's a gentleman, Andreas Antonopoulos, who fights for the unbanked. There's nobody in the world who explains this stuff clearer than him. Like, I would just Google what is Bitcoin. I would, I would do as much reading and learning as possible. I would ask questions. Because here's the thing. Here's what I know about the wealthiest people in the world. I just sat with a gentleman the other day. He's easily, easily worth a quarter billion dollars. Extremely wealthy. Extremely successful and wealthy people. 
think about their decisions longer than the time in which they make them. But when they make them, they make them with conviction. And that's what people don't get. And there's a really good book that everyone should read, The Millionaire Next Door. That book is thrown around a million times. And one of the things he talks about in that book is if you look at one of the worst investments in the world as a vehicle, people who aren't as financially savvy, not as high credit cards, don't make enough money, spend very little time thinking about a car purchase. The people where the price don't matter, credit score doesn't matter, leasing, financing doesn't matter. They take forever to think about it before they buy a car. That's a jewel. So people spend a lot of time thinking about decisions. They thinking and thinking and ask questions and I don't, I'm not okay with it. And I, mm, let me sit on it and think, let me read some more. It, it's just, right. They think about all the unintended consequences. Then when it clicks, they move in conviction. So I encourage everyone here again, Google, read, listen to podcasts. There's a book called crypto assets by Chris Berninsky, which I think is the crypto Bible must read. Um, and you know, start to ask questions. I have a podcast called the On Purpose Podcast with Coindesk, which is the largest media company in crypto. You can listen to that. I have a bunch of stuff. Again, you go, it's everywhere, right? It's, I I try to make this as rudimentary as possible because I realize there's people that need to learn. So read, ask questions. Just when you think you know enough, ask more questions, right? Get more confused. And this is what I always tell people. If I, if, and when I meet people, and they ask me about Bitcoin and they get it right away. I know I did a bad job. If I explain Bitcoin to them and they go, well, that sounds stupid. I'm like, yes, like I got you. <laughs> right. Because now I know you're going to go, wait a second. Right. Or you either ask more questions or you're going to be. But I need to plant the seed. I don't need to convince you. I just need to open your mind. I'm not trying to change your mind. You need to open your mind. Because if I open your mind, you're going to walk away and go, that sounds really dumb. But there was something there that resonated with me. Let me look it up because that's what happened with me. I wasn't ignorant to finance, but a friend of mine that, man, this Bitcoin thing, I'm like, man, if you don't stop with this nonsense, <laughs> like, but he kept dripping on me. And he was like, let me send you some. <clears throat> and he sent me some and I was like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I just got this now. And then it, it triggered. And then I was just like, give me everything. Give me everything. Give me, all right. So just people need to get insatiably curious about this, ask questions, learn. And then as you start to come to understanding, learn some more, right. And then see how it fits within your need. And yeah, if you want to put some money in, just only put in, which if you wake up the next day and it evaporated and is gone, is not going to disturb having the lights on, feeding your children, paying your rent or mortgage and start to do that inconsequential amount. So this way, again, you just start to learn because like anything else, you gain an understanding once you have a vested interest and you learn about it. So that would be my two cents. Yeah, man, I would say that's a full dollar. If that was too <laughs> Y'all take that to the bank because that is, again, coming from the expert, this isn't anything in which it came from a study. This is a lived experience that, that we are both reflecting on um, and Tyrone has been able to not only meet and convene with experts across the globe around this, but also lead other experts, especially other financial advisors, on how they could be teaching their clients and introducing this to them. And so we're 
we're very, very grateful. Um, and of course, with time, we want to be respectful of that. And so we got one more question, um, and I'll start with a statement. Uh, one thing you see uh, in our branding is the planning podcast, and, and we are very intentional to highlight that triangle you may see. And so in mathematics, uh, the delta sign represents change. And when you think about anything that changes, that is significant in anyone's life, there is some type of planning that takes place. If, hey, I'm looking to get married. Hey, I'm looking to see what school I'm going to. I'm looking to see what, what agent I'm going to utilize. If, I, if I'm a professional athlete, like there is an element of planning that takes place before that change is initiated. Can you share with the audience an example on how planning has been beneficial for you and your purpose? Absolutely. In the process of building a legacy for my family of, of generational wealth, planning to me has been providing a construct and a blueprint to repeat the process of financial success that I've learned, that I am going to leave behind to be passed down and transferred to those that are attached to me. That is my endowment at Georgia Tech. That is being a business owner. That is establishing a nonprofit. That is ownership. That is exposing my family to these things and walking them through how it came to be. It is protecting my downside with insurance and, and guarantees and hedges that I've learned from some of the wealthiest, the most brightest, and not only in finance, but just super successful people as well. So for me, coming from what I've come from, right, first generation high school graduate to now, the plan has been survival. My parents opted out of the American dream a long time ago. Survival. But it also has been, how do you plan to break a mindset of poverty and transform that into one of abundance? That has been the hardest thing in my life to do. Because what I know is if you read the book on the Vanderbilts, the Vanderbilts built tremendous wealth, but they did not build in how to break a poverty mindset. <clears throat> Even though the heirs were born into wealth, their mind was broke, so they behaved broke. And in, what, three, four generations, they evaporated everything that was there. So I would be doing a disservice if I planned for my heirs to inherit all of this wealth, but did not also plan to transform their mindset from one of poverty to abundance. So that's what planning means for me, not just on the financial side, but planning to have the conversations, planning to give them exposure, planning to educate them and planning to empower them. Bro, you live it, you breathe it, you walk, you talk it, and, and, and that's legacy. And, yeah. uh, and if, if you cannot feel that through uh, just words and, and, the, and the passion, um, you may need to get a pulse check because Tyrone definitely embodies that. And that is one thing that I appreciate is just the, the energy, um, the wisdom, um, the spirit that you embody, um, and, and more than anything, and I feel like we as individuals, we all have this responsibility is to, as we occupy this earth, 
we create enough inertia around the things that we care about to ensure that the pain that someone could experience can be avoided based off of what we built. And so that oh, could man. be financial services. It could be within, you know, some type of consulting, working with businesses or just speaking life into someone. And so truly appreciate you living that brother. Um, thank you for joining us on, on our planning podcast. As you know, we're going to circle back. There's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't unpack. Yeah, um, man. Please believe JP Morgan. Everybody, we coming for you. We coming. <laughs> for you. So believe it, King. Uh, believe it. Yes, sir, brother. Thank you again, Kim Folk. And as you know, everybody, stay planning.